episode 203 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, we are here uh, live, I mean, for us it's live, in the Pat Cave, deep within Magenta Manor. And we are, of course, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee as a part of the Dorkening Network. And uh, I am, of course, joined, as always, by my co-host in life and my co-host on the show. She is... The Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Von Nightmare. <gasps> hi. Yes. <laughs> Just hi. We are... How are you? How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Right. That's good. You were wearing my shark glasses a little while ago. Yeah. I was feeling pretty jawsome. Oh, that's fantastic. But you are definitely guilty of taking my stuff, and you won't reef it alone. I... You're trying to tune me out right now. Just... Fish! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's not your fault you're... Uh, your ocean puns aren't as sophisticated as mine. I graduated from the finest schools. Oh, I don't mean to be so selfish. Shellfish? Shellfish? But, like, selfish has the word fish right in it. Why yeah, does it need to be a pun? Because it's not a pun unless you say shellfish. It's a, it's a double entendre. That does not get my seal of approval. Mollusk. <laughs> Crab. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are discussing one of uh, the greatest one-off characters in the, the, the history of the Simpsons TV show. And that's saying a lot, considering they have nearly 700 episodes over uh, three-plus decades. But uh, before we talk about that, we have a little uh, getting into character section that uh, we thought would be fun to do. And for me... It was difficult because it was hard narrowing it down to five. And I'm actually going to narrow it down to five because I am going to... There's no honorable mentions? I mean, I could do an honorable mention. Technically, uh, what we were supposed to do is one-off characters, but I have two that appeared in two episodes. I mean, um, that, that kind of... A two episode does not a recurring character make. No, no, it's definitely it's not like you know I picked Bumblebee Man or you know Sideshow Mel or Dredrick Tatum or one of those guys. Um, so I'm gonna go first, and I want to know your. Li- I already know at least one person on your list yes, you who do. is not on my list. So I'm trying to see how overlappy our lists get. Overlappy. Overlappy. So one of my all time favorite one-off characters is uh, very <sighs> very angry version of Homer. Uh, it's his brother Herb Powell played by Danny DeVito. So it's Homer's half-brother. They have the same father, different mothers, although uh, Herb looks very much like Homer. Uh, so I'm going to go with Herb Powell from uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, and brother, can you spare two dimes? Because we do get to see him come back later on, uh, because he was just such a popular character that you know they really had to finish his story because it it didn't come to a natural conclusion. Like there was still more to tell for uh, Herb. So 
I'm going to go Herb Powell as my number five character. So who have you got? Oh, we're doing back and forth? Yeah, yeah. We always do back okay. and forth. So my number five character is Juliet Hobbs from the episode Lisa the Drama Queen. She was voiced by Emily Blunt, and that was the episode where Lisa finally finds a friend and has a friend, and they go and they create this crazy imaginary universe called Aqualia. And it was queen, that they were co-queens of their queendom. Mm-hmm. And it was Queen Helvetica and Queen, I forget the other name. Valedictoria. Valedictoria. Yeah. I'm a giraffapus. I'm uncomfortable on land and water. And, you know, Juliet was way more into the imagination stuff than Lisa was. Like, to the point where Juliet kind of goes off the deep end. Yeah, she... I hate Chuck 3. I hate it. I hate it. But it was such a good, it was a really good I it character. Was track six. It was a, it's track three. I always say track six. You always say track six. I always six. say track it's six, track and it's, six, it's, it's track one three of these times it's going to be track Pelican six. the Pelican Brief soundtrack. Uh, researching the brief. Um, but anyways, I think it's such, it, it's such a solid one-off character. You know, her storyline is completely wrapped up in one episode. They could potentially bring her back. But, yeah, I just, I, I, that episode's really great. For being a, because I think that came out in season twenty. It was a it was a later season. It was a yeah. later season. I mean, granted, we're in even later seasons now, but uh, you know, sometimes the the writing in some of the later seasons dip a little bit. Not not as great as some in the earlier seasons, but I I think this is like a really solid episode. All right, that's a good pick. I am gonna go with Artie Ziff. The reason that Homer and Marge are together, uh, because uh, Homer tricked Marge into uh, going to the prom with him by faking uh, a need to be tutored in French. Uh, And to her credit, she actually was able to teach him French. He was able to conjugate several regular verbs, several irregular verbs, and knew the first three uh, verses to Frere Jacques. And that was after one night of studying. And, you know, as we know, Homer has a very difficult time retaining any type of information. But turns out it was a trick, and she got very angry with him, and she went instead to the prom with her classmate and debate teammate, Artie Ziff, voiced by John Lovitz. Uh, John Lovitz has voiced several characters on the show, and uh, he was he's always delightful, uh, even though his characters might be jerks. Um, we later see that the prom that you know Homer is cheering for them as they're voted prom king and queen, uh, up until the point that he finds out that uh, uh, Marge realizes she should have gone to the the prom with Homer because Artie has what he calls busy hands, and in a uh, this is another time the Simpsons were well ahead of their time, where Marge accepts his rationale to not tell everyone not so much for him but he is so respected it would damage the town to hear it uh if that's not a theme that echoes through today i don't know what is but uh, we see him show up in a later episode and he recreates the prom and he gives homer a million dollars to spend a day with his wife and Homer's like, how much sex is involved? Because if it's some. And uh, Artie, even though 
he's fabulously wealthy and you know can give Marge everything she wants, she still chooses Homer because that's the way the show goes. And uh, you know, there's just something about the two of them that just works really well together. So at the end, they uh, you know part of what Marge wanted to get away from is Homer's insane snoring. He even started snoring when he was awake. And so Artie gave her a... Uh, Reminds me of someone I know. Yes, you snore very loud, <laughs> even don't. when you're awake. I have never heard myself snore. Oh. I have no idea what you're talking I about. Will, I will make a record for you. So Artie, as a gift and a kind of a way to apologize, again, because Artie's a jerk, gives Homer, uh, Homer and Marge a mask for Homer that turns his uh, snoring into music and of course, you know, you can't play all the copyrighted songs. So uh, it's actually Artie singing the Eurythmics, uh, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. And, you know, he included some subliminal uh, messaging in the song. Like you hear the music playing, the synth music in the background. He's like, He's a loser, Marge. Dump him. I am watching you through a camera. And that's how the episode ends, and it's awesome, and I love the way that that ends. But, yeah, Artie Ziff is my number two. So even though he showed up a couple times, uh, I still consider him a one-off. So So my number four (laughs) is Alaska, Nebraska from the episode Waverly Hills 9021 Doe. Uh, she was voiced by Ellen Page, obviously a parody of Hannah Montana. She's 16. She's a pop star. She lip syncs to conversations. Yep. Uh, it's just a really fun episode. It's a really fun character. Like I said, it's, it's a parody of, of pop stars and especially like teenage, young teenage pop stars. And Ellen Page does a really good job of, of voicing her. Weezer did that. Uh, that yeah, song. the Waverly Hills song to the tune of their Waverly Hills. Hills. Song. And they had uh, a great. Um, there was another pop culture reference in that. No Country for Old Men. Mm. The yeah. guy that uh, is supposed to be like Anton Chigurh is the uh, like the the guy inspecting for the school board because people were just trying to send their kids to the better school, and he has Homer call the coin toss. And Homer calls it on its side, and it lands on its side. But he he enters the room by using the uh, the pneumatic device to blow the uh, the door the lock of the the, the doorknob off the door. That's awesome. That's a good pick. I didn't even think right? of Alaska, Alaska, Nebraska. Nebraska. That's a deep cut. So speaking of deep cuts, this one isn't a deep cut. So I am going to go with. Uh, Cecil Terwilliger, oh, sideshow Cecil, mm. uh, voiced That's a by really good episode too. It is, uh, especially when you come back from I think the second commercial break, where it's like Frasier is a hit show on CBS <laughs> or NBC, whatever the <laughs> fuck network it was. Um, he is voiced by uh, David Hyde Pierce, which is funny because on the show Frasier. David Hyde Pierce plays Frazier's brother, and Frazier is Kelsey Grammer, who voices Sideshow Bob. And Cecil, or Cecil... I don't get it. Why is it funny? Because it's it's comedy. He gets hit with a pie. Um, Cecil, like, they refer to him as Cecil, but Chief Wiggum refers to him as Cecil. 
Cecil uh, holds a grudge against um, against Bob for becoming Krusty's sidekick when that's all Cecil ever wanted. And he's like, I knew it. The buffoon lessons, the four years at clown college. I'll thank you not to refer to Princeton that way. <laughs> um, he's a great character. He uh, succeeds in... Uh, you know, pulling off his plan, it essentially, pull, he does destroy the dam at the end, and Ralph's worried that he wet his bed <laughs> as he gets caught up in the tidal wave of dam water. That's such a Ralph thing to do. Um, yeah, it's great. And there's some great lines from Kelsey Grammer and, uh, and Sideshow Bob. And Well, it, it's an episode that When do they send the menus? Sideshow Bob in a positive light when in most Sideshow Bob episodes he is, in fact, the villain trying to best Bart. Yeah, like he might be the best supposedly one-off character that just keeps coming back. It's been like eight times he's been on. Sideshow Bob? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's been on more. I mean... No, I feel like they keep Kelsey Grammer on retainer just in case. Like every couple of years, they have him come back and do like some like all right, we have this wacky episode. Um, let's have Sideshow Bob in it, and you know, Kelsey Grammer always comes back. So yeah, it's probably eight to ten episodes. I'd have to look it up because I don't know off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, Cecil Ter Terwilliger is number three. How's your uh, number three? So you want to talk about a deep cut? My number three is Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. Oh, that's definitely, that's the stupidest name I ever heard. Oh. Hey, Joey Jojo! <laughs> From the last temptation of Homer. Now, I know he was briefly in a couple of other episodes, but this is the only episode where he was prominently featured. And even that was just like for five seconds. But it's such a great, like, scene. And the scene the is made in part. Because of Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. I got this friend. His name is a Joe. Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. And Mo's just like, that's the worst name I ever heard. And the guy go, starts crying bar, and crying runs and out. leaves the bar. And, and Bonnie's like, hey, Joey, Joey Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> Which was ripped off by South Park when... Uh, and it's very subtle, so like you wouldn't notice that they were doing it. When Cartman's trying to get into the, the sex party in the Paris Hilton episode, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, yeah, I was invited. By who? Uh, Kelly. Kelly who? Kelly Pinkerton Furter. Kelly Pinkerton Furter? Did you invite this guy? Oh, my God, <laughs> no. And like he kept making up all these names, and every time he did it, there was Somebody someone that with name. that name. So it's the same type of thing. Well, and Matt Groening actually reuses the name Shabadoo in Futurama. Gam Gam and Shabadoo. Shabadoo. That's uh, the professor's parents who must be too ancient. Like Farnsworth is 160. Centuries old at this point. They've got to be 200 if they're a day because he's 160. So... So let's see. Number two. I'm, I'm having a hard time because I... I have 15 on my well, list. Then why don't you just, I mean, you can you can go through. No um, one put a cap on it. No, that's true. And there's a lot more like that I didn't even think of. So I'm just going to run through a few. Sweetie, it is your show. You can do that's whatever true. you want. Um, I chose Rex Banner from the episode where uh, Prohibition was reinforced. 
Uh, he was the guy trying to catch Homer. This hasn't been a very happy birthday. And he sees Barney walking by drunk. I'm going to give it to you straight, Rummy. Where'd you pinch the hooch? Some blind tiger jerking suds on the side? Uh, then there's uh, LT Smash from the uh, episode where they uh, they form the boy band and the guest stars are uh, in sync. Justin Timberlake's like, I can't believe I'm meeting Millhouse. Uh, the Party Posse, that was the name of their uh, their their band. Yvonne et Niage. Um, Lyle Landley. Lyle Landley is one of the best one-off characters ever. Well, sir, there's nothing on earth like a genuine, bona fide, electrified six-car monorail. Yeah, he was the guy who sold the monorail to Springfield. He sold monorails to Ogdenville, North Haverbrook, and by gum, it put them on the map. Uh, let's see. couple of deep cuts. Uh, Lugash, who actually appeared in a couple episodes, but Lugash was uh, Lisa's uh, gymnastics coach in the episode with uh, Robert Pinsky. And also one of the funnier Homer moments uh, when he's singing along to Chumbawamba. I take a whiskey drink, I take a chocolate drink. When I have to pee, I use the kitchen sink. I sing the song that reminds me I'm a urinating guy. Uh, Lee Vell, not a, not a character everybody knows, but Lee Vell was voiced by Mark Hamill in the episode where Homer was a bodyguard. Ho- uh, Lee Vell ran the bodyguarding academy. And he said, uh, he, he kept telling people to shut their sass hole. He goes, your only, your only uh, loyalty is to your protectee, not to your... Uh, family, not to your country, not to Muhammad. And Homer goes, not even during Ramadan? He's like, shut your sasshole, boy. Um, Luke Stetson, this is another deep cut. Luke Stetson was voiced by Jonathan Taylor Thomas in the same episode that featured Andy Serkis as uh, Cleany, very Gollum-like character. Um, Luke Stetson was the uh, rancher in the... uh, at uh, oh, what the heck? the it was a dude ranch. I forget the name of it. Used to be the it was the, oh the la- lazy eye I think used to be the wandering eye nudist colony, but it was the lazy eye ranch. Uh, yeah, go ahead, do, do yours because I have a few more on here. Uh, so my number two character is he's another one who was kind of sorta in another couple of episodes, but really only prominently featured in one. It's Roy from the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show. Hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> you know, because he was a, um, a a happening, hip and happening character. Mm-hmm. So basically, the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show episode was made in response to the Fox Network applying pressure to the Simpsons to add, add a, new a, character. a new character so it was kind of like the the writer's way of saying fuck you so not only did they and poochie's another one too poochie is could technically be considered a one-off character poochie shows up in a halloween episode where he's like wiggity wiggity word up rock on party and he gets hit in the head with a skateboard but like he was really only prominently featured in the itchy and scratchy and poochie so- show episode right the same one um, with roy but it's uh so I guess I'll, I'll go with the both of them for similar reasons. Well, they're essentially yeah. the same character. They yeah, look it's, exactly it's, the you same. Know, another way of, of mocking the Fox network for wanting them to do something that they didn't want to do. Yeah, they were the only wanting ones. Them, wanting them to add like a hip and happening and cool character. So they really like 
punched it up a bit. Oh, yeah. It, this show is definitely a commentary by the writers and the animators and everybody just like, oh, well, let's, let's you know, it's like super meta. Well, and they're the only show, or at least one of the only shows, because I believe... I know Family Guy has done it, but I don't know if they Family were Guy allowed did it to after they were canceled. It. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they were allowed to do it while they were on the Fox network. The Simpsons have only always been on the Fox network, and I don't know if it's written into their contract, yes. but they're allowed to poke fun at the Fox network. I mean, and Rupert Murdoch has been in on it before, where he's like, who are you? I'm Rupert Murdoch, the billionaire tyrant. And it's like, you know, and he played himself. You know, but there were other times where he was in jail with Sideshow Bob. Hey there, I own 50% of that network. I suppose you don't like tabloid newspapers either. Yeah, like they've they've been able to make fun of him because if you go through uh, the time when The Simpsons first came on the air, for a long time, they were the only thing keeping Fox well, afloat, I was say, yeah, keeping like, them they relevant. They kind of put Fox on the map. Like... At the time, it was NBC, CBS, and ABC, and like that was it. Nobody paid attention to Fox. But the Simpsons kind of brought Fox into the, you know, they became a contender. Right, and they were on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. Which is a prime time slot, yeah. And like they were, I remember, you know, as I was growing up watching these shows that I wasn't supposed to watch, like they were, you know, they would headline the. You did things you weren't supposed to do. I know, right? (gasps) Yes. They headlined the. Thursday and then eventually Sunday night um, lineup because it was, you know, they had uh, Herman's Head and In Living Color, the George Carlin show, John Leguizamo's House of Buggin', like, oh my God. but during, during this run, like the early 90s until throughout the whole, throughout the 90s, essentially, mm-hmm. Fox had maybe two, three shows that were consistently good. And, like, got ratings, and it was The Simpsons, The X-Files, Melrose Place, 90210, those two, and that was it. Like, they tried doing spinoffs like Millennium with uh, Lance Henriksen, and that didn't really go anywhere because people were like, oh, it's just like, uh, you know, The X-Files, but it wasn't. Like, they tried to capitalize it, you know, and then you had Models, Inc., and, like, that didn't really do anything, and... So there, there weren't a lot of shows that really, and even like shows like Herman Head, Herman's Head, they had Yardley Smith and Hank Azaria on it. So, I mean, Mad TV was good. Do you remember Greg the Bunny? Greg the Bunny with uh, Seth, Seth Green. Green. Yeah, that didn't last. No, but it was funny. It, I it, liked the Bunny. Andy Richter controls the universe. Like, they tried a lot of shows and a lot... Of, like, they were just giving everybody a shot. And well, a I lot mean, of those got canceled. The late 90s, early 2000s brought us that 70s show. Yep. Which, you know... So so that became a thing. But but we're not talking about the Fox Network. We're right, talking about like, The Simpsons. That's kind of like the tangent we went off on. So, let's see. I've gone through all of those. So, I'm going to go with my number two. It's actually a tie. Between two characters who are related, Frank and Junior Grimes. Frank Grimes Jr. Uh, Frank Grimes appeared in the episode Homer's Enemy. And, you know, he is essentially the opposite of Homer in every way. Like, no matter what he did, 
like he had you know he had to battle for it and fight for it and he was finally going to be rewarded he was going to be the executive vice president and as he's being brought in to meet Mr. Burns Mr. Burns sees a video about a heroic dog and the dog gets the promotion instead like everything you know it's like he invites Frank Grimes into his house and he complains that He's like, oh, my God, like, your house is huge. This is a castle. Like, how do you afford this? He goes, I live in a one-room apartment above a bowling alley and below another bowling alley. You know, and he's he's like, oh, this is my son who owns a factory downtown. <laughs> this is my daughter, Lisa, IQ 156. You know, you know he's got the baby. He's got the what? Like, everything. Um, great, great character. And he finally snaps. And, of course, nothing happens to Homer, you know, but he just because I, I think this is a commentary on how a real person would deal with Homer Simpson in real life like it wouldn't be you know like the way it is in the in the show like we would see you know people like Frank Grimes snapping and losing their mind because of you know everything that they've had to deal with and then you know as revenge his son came back to try and kill Homer and that's when they had uh, they had brought Sideshow Bob along to get into his mind, kind of like a, a Silence of the Lambs thing. or Yeah, like he was filling the Hannibal Lecter role of getting into the mind of the of the criminal. And uh, it, was a, it was a really good episode. And they finally caught him, and they're like, wait a minute, Frank Grimes wasn't married? And the kid's like, he happened to like hookers. <laughs> So it's like even his Who kid had doesn't? a tough life. Uh, so that's number two. Who have you got? Well, oh. I gave you my number two, so I'm going to give you my number one. Oh, give you number one. So my number one is Sherry Bobbins. Oh, I know. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Technically, it says annoyed grunt. But y- yes. Annoyed yes, grunt is the how they put it, how they put dough into the script. Correct. Because they weren't sure how they were going to. Dough it. How they were going to do it, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously she's know? a parody of Mary Poppins. However, no, she's an original she... creation, just like Ricky Rouse and Monald Muck. Yes. And this, again, is one of those great episodes. She comes in, and everything is wrapped up by the end of the episode. The episode is, is pretty much centered around this one character. She comes in to try to better the Simpsons family, Homer and the kids and... You know, take some of the burden of child care and husband care off of Marge. And, you know, she sings songs about the booze hound named Barney. There's also, uh, it, there's essentially a parody of almost every Mary Poppins song. Yes. Like the cleaning up the room montage scene. Um, you know, obviously, the booze hound named Barney is the uh, feed the birds song. The feed the birds lady. Um, yeah, there's just there's just so many. Do you think we'll see uh, Sherry Bobbins in a future episode? Well, no, because they offed her because she was sucked into a airplane jet engine. Jet engine. You know, and they even asked like. You think she'll come back around? I'm sure she will. Yeah, nope. <laughs> nope. Done with that one. So my last couple of characters, um, I'm going to throw all together. Um, this one, I'm surprised that uh, 
I didn't have him higher on my list. But number one from Homer the Great, played by Patrick Stewart in the Stonecutters episode. I thought that was going to be your number one. No, uh, it's <laughs> not my number Cause one. Because he's number one. Yes. Um, one that kind of fits in with the character we're uh, going to be chatting about tonight. Russ Cargill from the Simpsons movie. Um, the leader from the cult episode where, home, where everybody in Springfield joins the cult, the Movementarians. Mm. Uh, although he is, you can see him, or at least the character design, in the Stonecutters We Do song. But number one, and I have to go with this character, even though they did not use their real name when they were, uh, when they were filming, they did not want to be credited with their real name, uh, Leon Kompowski, he is a uh, bricklayer from Patterson, New Jersey, and he was always angry until one day he just talked like this, and everybody was uh, happy with him. He was the, uh, when Homer got put into the mental institution, they said, put him in with the big white guy who thinks he's the little black guy. Uh, he was voiced by Michael Jackson throughout the entire episode. And that was the Lisa's birthday episode. It was, except when he was singing... Uh, it was he was voiced by John J. Smith, his authorized sound alike. So like c- certain Wait, he had an authorized sound alike. You know how certain celebrities have like lookalikes so that they can go out in public, you know, and like 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 a sharecrow. <laughs> yes. Um Oh you mean Cheryl Crow. No, Sharecrow. Like a Sharecrow. Yes. Um it's which they did on The Simpsons. Um he had a sound alike, you know, so he was only using his voice during concerts or when recording in the studio, just in case. So uh, Hank Azaria played Leon Kompowski, but when he was Michael Jackson, it was either Michael Jackson or John J. Smith doing the singing. So that's my uh, that's my list for that. Um, we want to know what your top characters are because. We are about to talk about the best. I mean, like this is kind of like the penultimate. Character. Yeah. No, not the, the penultimate. The ultimate. the ultimate. This is the ultimate one-off character. This character is so great that he was only involved in one episode, and yet people are obsessed. They with have this tattoos character. of him. Uh, he has appeared in some of the extended media, but it's non-canonical, so it doesn't count. Non-canonical, non-canonical. Um, we are, of course, talking about the president of Globex, Hank Scorpio. So we will take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about Hank Scorpio. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary.
Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do you have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? Then it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky Sample Pack with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the Exotic Flavor Sample Pack featuring all ten flavors so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am here to welcome you on behalf of the president of the Globex Corporation. Me! Try the papayas. They're juicy and full of papayin. Makes you strong like Popeye. Popeye, papayin, Popeye, papayin. See? Same thing. Same Ah, forget it. How are you? I'm Hank Scorpio. Wow, my boss. Don't call me that word. I don't like things that elevate me above the other people. I'm just like you. Oh, sure, I come later in the day, I get paid a lot more, and I take longer vacations, but I don't like the word boss. Hey, look at my feet. Okay. You like those moccasins? Look in your closet. There's a pair for you. Don't like them? Then neither do I. Get the hell out of here. Ha! Ever see a guy say goodbye to a shoe? Yeah, it's once. Mr. Scorpio, this house is almost too good for us. I keep expecting to get the bums rush. We don't have bums in our town, Marge, and if we did, they wouldn't rush. They'd be allowed to go at their own pace. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm in the middle of a fun run. See you at work tomorrow. Although I don't really like to call it work. Whoa. We're back. So I hoped you liked... Hope you liked... Yes. i got to make sure I put the past tense in the correct word. I hope you liked those promos, including the new one for uh, Mythical Meats. Um, keep keep your uh, your eyes peeled to this space over the next couple of weeks, because uh, if that intrigues you, you might be in luck. Just saying. Um, so, Hank Scorpio, as we just heard, this was our introduction as well as The Simpsons' introduction. So... My question, is his name Hank Scorpio, or is he telling you his sign? Like, Hank Scorpio. I mean, it could be both. It could be both. I like, mean, that would be very convenient. It would. It would. Well, it's like uh, in, in high school, I had two friends who were Vietnamese, and they didn't go by their Vietnamese names. They went by John and Jonathan. And the real names were Hung and Tuan. And I said, 
Why would you go by John when you could just introduce yourself by saying, hi, I'm hung? Like, why wouldn't you? This is true. I mean, it took us till senior year to realize that, or junior year, but we eventually uh, we eventually did. So, Hank Scorpio. So, he's supposed to be like a parody of Richard Branson, which is funny because they've had Richard Branson on the show in later years. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's, I I never saw Richard Branson. I always saw Bond villain. Well, and and that's so it's a parody of multiple things. So obviously Richard Branson, in the sense that he's very uh, ostentatious and flashy with his an eccentric his money. Yes, you know I have money. I have things. Look at my things. I have so many things. You know I do things with things that I bought with stuff because I have things. Um, and obviously a Bond villain, but you don't realize he's a villain until the end. No, to the middle, to the middle. When Homer goes looking for uh, sugar for his coffee. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do want to point out, I found a an error. Unless these two things are the same, I found an error in the Simpsons Wikipedia page, talking about how he blows up the Queensboro Bridge. Although in the show, they say the 59th Street Bridge. Now, I'm not as familiar with New York as other people are. Uh, I don't know if those are the same thing. I know that there are several bridges, but I don't know which one is which, and I don't know if the Queensboro Bridge and the 59th Bridge are the same thing. Entirely possible, but it says Queensboro, even though specifically the guys in the UN said 59th Street Bridge. So I'm just pointing that out, just saying... You know, but yeah, we find out um, the beginning of the episode is is uh, Smithers walking around, you know, walking to work, having a good time, singing his song. I work for Monty Burns, Monty Burns, and a car pulls up next to them, offering him a ride to work, saying that they're from Globex and they're prepared to offer him a generous salary and to move him to a new home. And, you know, full medical benefits for him and his life partner, which I suppose would be Mr. Burns. Um, but he turns it down and he gets he gets really mad. He's like, what's wrong with this country? Can a man walk down the street without being offered a job? And so they go to the next most senior man at the plant. And, of course, that's Homer, uh, which I find just awesome. Uh, Ashes, when you first saw Hank Scorpio... What were your what were your uh, initial thoughts like when you first see him when you meet him when he's bringing the fruit basket to the Simpson family who just recently moved to Cypress Hill from Springfield Cypress Creek Cypress, Cypress Hill. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that's a thing that happened. Have more wine. Um, yeah, I'm so sure anyways, I've done the same thing though. You know what I'm talking about. You ever been to that town? It's insane. <laughs> insane in the membrane. Um, and the chipmunks are all reticulated. Oh, they are so reticulated. Yes, they, they are. are. So reticulated. Um, so you think that he's just this kind of uh, messenger boy fruit basket delivery person 
uh, with a severe case of ADD because he's just chatting away at uh, a speed of a mile a minute. He's so excited. He's very excited and very eccentric. He's in the middle of a fun run. (laughs) He's like, hi, I'm here to welcome you on behalf of the president of of, of the Globex Corporation. Me. I love the fact that they got Albert Brooks to do this voice because he's so perfect for this character. And, you know, I mentioned it in the opening segment, the getting into character segment, that um, they, the character of Russ Cargill, who again is played by um, Albert Brooks in the Simpsons movie, they originally... They wanted to wanted reprise the yes. role of Hank Scorpio. But Scorpio's too nice a guy. Mm-hmm. But they captured a lot of like Scorpio's essence because it's Albert Brooks and they brought him back to be this character. Like the best line that he has is, uh, and he's like, Oh no, we're, you know, when they get trapped under the dome, like, Oh, we're trapped like rats. And he goes, no rats wouldn't get trapped this easily. I'd say you got trapped more like carrots. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. But, the reason, you know, like I said, he was he, Hank Scorpio is too nice. His main concern He's like he's a villain with a heart of gold. He wants to blow up France with his laser inside of his giant lair. Um cuz he even asked Homer, he's like, "Hey, what's your least favorite country, Italy or France?" He's like, "France is <laughs> nobody ever says Italy." And he puts in, you know, the coordinates and you see the giant laser sticking out of the opening in the roof, which is very Bond villain-esque. Like, it couldn't have been more Bond unless it was in a volcano. And we even get to see uh, Mr. Bond. Oh, Scorpio, you're totally mad. I wonder who that's referencing. (laughs) Yeah. You expect me to talk. No, I expect you to die and be a very cheap funeral. You're going to die now. And uh, you get to see not only how appreciative. Is that when he has the flamethrower? No, no, no. The flamethrower is at the very end. Okay. Because I like that. I want one of those. Yes. The, uh, this scene where Homer, Homer's trying to get candy out of, a, out of the vending machine. And Mr. Bont takes a coin out of his pocket, flips it at the laser that's about to bisect him. And it shoots it off into four directions zapping the uh, restraints off his arms and legs, and then he uses his watch to shoot gas at people. Scorpio's like, stop him! He's supposed to die! And Homer tackles him, and then like all his armed guards go over and just shoot him a whole bunch of times. And he's like, Homer, am I proud of you? When you go home, there'll be another story on your house. Like, So that's him showing off how much money he has and like how much power, because how are you going to get an entire story built onto someone's house by the well, end of the work day. Not only that, so obviously the Globex Corporation is a front, but he's created this whole Cypress Creek, not hill. Uh, there is a hill. Uh, there is a hill, but he's created this whole utopian-like society. This, 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 not so much society, but... Yeah, no, society society works. It's a whole functioning ecosystem. They got the woods, they got the water, they got... Everything is perfect. Everything is self-sufficient. 
everything there's not a there's not a hair out of place right you know like marge says i keep expecting to get the bums rush it's like we don't have any bums in our town but if we did they wouldn't have to rush they'd be allowed to go at their own pace and they allow yeah and that's the thing like they they allow people to just be like there's this one scene i know we're not talking about marge but there's this one scene where i i i I don't i don't understand (laughs) because she has nothing else to do you know, her kids are at school. The house is cleaning itself. The gardens are watering it said themselves. Like, she she has nothing to do. So she very disappointingly and reluctantly pours herself a glass of wine and sits in the kitchen. And I'm like, what the fuck is that reaction? <laughs> I would be jumping for joy. You mean I don't have to do anything? I can just sit all day? And drink wine and focus on other projects at my leisure? Oh, yeah, please sign me up. I'm going to Cypress Hill. <laughs> I, know, I and, know what I said. And she even says, like, you know, I found myself drinking a glass of wine a day. I know doctors say you're supposed to drink a glass and a half, but I just can't drink that much. <laughs> Lightweight, Marge. Oh, my goodness. No, typically I like the Marge character, but but in this episode, she just drives me crazy. Well, I would love it. They I would make love up, it so much. They make up for it later on when she starts pounding the Long Island iced teas. This is true, yes. Um, yeah, and we get to see that, like, while things are going great for Homer at the Globex Corporation, things are going poorly for the rest of the family, which is kind of why he has to leave. Now, my question, like you said, Globex is a front. What what do they do? But again, not just Globex. This entire right, but like cul-de-sac of of happiness. What what did they do? Cypress what, Hill. What product do they make? Like, how did they get all these people to work for them? Like, you know, I, I Homer makes the uh, you know the thing. He's like, oh, my department's way ahead of the weather machine and germ warfare divisions. So it's like, it's literally like this whole functioning and he's he's a bond villain in every way except his minions are not disposable to him you know like he has all these like the the girl that does all like the uh the gymnastics and like jumps onto the general who looks very much like norman schwarzkopf i don't know if that was intentional or not but she uh jumps on him and snaps his neck um i feel like it's one of those because we don't really know exactly what the, i mean we know it's a front, but we don't know what this corporation is. It's Where not is like his funding coming from? It's not like, you know, a Chinese restaurant that's a front for the mob. Right, where they launder money, you, you know, know, or a casino or, or, that launders or, money. Right, or, you know, uh, where's the... Dry cleaners. I'm like, where's the place that they clean your clothes? Dry cleaners. Typically, dry, dry cleaners is a big one. There's a lot of, of mob-owned and operated dry cleaners. Maybe because <laughs> they're gonna maybe. take you to the cleaners. Maybe <laughs> they used to Cypress Hill. Now it's <laughs> now it's casinos is where it's at. But but anyways, but everyone has a job that they do. Like Homer was hired because he worked at the nuclear plant, right? And they had a position for him. They needed to get the reactor online, right? So you know, I feel like nobody really knows. I, I think 
everyone has a different definition of what Globex does pertaining to what exactly that particular person does to contribute to, quote, the Globex corporation. Well, I do know is, that you know, they Hank don't Scorpio's, believe in walls. You know, this is true. And they there's a lot of hammocks. Um, yes. Apparently, that whole hammock talk was improvised. Yeah. By Albert Brooks. Yes. Which is great because, like, you see, home, you, like, you hear Homer kind of like, yeah, uh, what? And it's like, no, like, the whole thing was ad lib. So they just took the, the, the initial conversation in the recording booth and just animated that. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. I love when shit like that happens. Cause, like, I mean, Dan Castellaneta, at this point, this is season eight, episode two. He's been doing this for a while. He's deep into who Homer is. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not counting his time on Tracy Ullman playing Homer. Like, he has really refined and fleshed out who Homer is. Homer is Homer at this point. Like, he doesn't really evolve much more. Right, so he knows all the all of the, the isms that make up Homer. So where... Uh, to where a conversation like this can be ad-libbed and he can respond accordingly and everything can can work out versus, you know, having to copy and paste and cut some stuff together. Like, I've seen, you know, him on Conan O'Brien, because Conan used to, you know, write for the show, but, like, it was uh, Dan Castellaneta and Harry Shearer, and they were just, like, riffing off of each other. Well, I mean, that's kind of like the cast of Bob's Burgers at this point. Yeah. They do a lot of, I, I know back when back when we had conventions and stuff, they would do all of these like table reads at like San Diego. And Nicole went to other one. Bigger, uh, they did, I believe they did a tour yeah. as well. This was early on before the Bob's Burgers really blew up and, and a lot of the... Um, like a lot of the cast has had other opportunities. Like they're they're busy, especially uh, John Benjamin. Well, yeah, but um, and Kristen Schaal, but but anyways, like they've they've really gotten to know their characters and gotten to know each other so well that they can just sit there and ad lib and stay in character and have everything be, be believable. Right. Like, which I think is which what is so crazy about voice actors and the fact that voice actors don't get the credit that they deserve. It's like, oh, well, you know, you're just voice acting. But there's a lot more that goes into it. I believe we've had this conversation mm -hmm. before. Many times. You can't, you can't emote physically. You have to emote verbally, you know, um, auditorily. So, you and know, a lot of anyways. people are putting the full... The full uh you know, uh, performance on in the booth, they're just not seeing it. But a lot of times the animators will take that that footage, you know, not just the, the audio, but the animators will take the footage of the the, the actor and then use that to, uh, you know, facilitate their drawings. But Scorpio, Scorpio's a mystery because we don't know where he came from. We don't know where he's from. We don't know. He just kind of happens. He shows up. And he's this supervillain that comes out of nowhere. And we don't even know how long this has been going on. Globex so, has been around. It has to have been around for a while. Well, I mean, clearly, because this is a whole, like, planned community. You know, uh, Cypress Creek is, you know, was built to house the employees of the Globex Corporation to kind of, you know, keep everyone 
close. close. Yep. Because and if, out of harm's way. And right. So it's not only is it easier to keep an eye on everyone to make sure that they're safe, but it's also easier to keep an eye on everyone to make sure that no one finds out the ultimate goal. No one's talking. Nobody gets in. Nobody gets out. See, I think that there was uh, there was a long. Like everything had been going on for quite some time, and they were in their final stages, which is why they needed the nuclear reactor to start up. Because I imagine the nuclear reactor being one of the more complicated, uh, you know, facets of this company. Right. It's like they had to plant everything else first, and this was kind of like the the icing on top of the cake. Because this is the reactor that it's not powering the town; uh, it's powering the doomsday device. Right. Uh, to shoot at France. You know, and he does have, you know, Scorpio's got some great lines. You know, when, when Homer gets to see him, like, he go, comes in and he, he says, uh, you know, he asks him for sugar. He's like, sugar, sugar, uh, here. And he, like, empties his pockets into Homer's hands. And there is a significant amount of sugar, but there's also, like, other de- random debris. And he's like, you want some cream? And he's like, I, no. Yeah. <laughs> Here's sugar here. Sorry, it's not in packages. Like, where the hell does that come from? Like, that's just a great, great friggin' like. Well, and he's exchange. also a really great boss too. Not oh, only he's a does phenomenal he, boss. You know, I'd work shower his employees with gifts and give them free, free reign to free kind moccasins. of do that too. Unless you don't and like hammocks. Um, you know really tries to facilitate their creativity and try to create a, a happy work environment and, you know, just, just really care for his employees. You will notice my new best friend, you know, like he's when he's talking to Homer, we're very casual around here. Yes, sir, Mr. Scorpion. Yes, I will notice that. Very casual, Mr. Scorpion. Don't call me Mr. Scorpion. It's Mr. Scorpio, but don't call me that either. Call me Hank! The only guy I think could have played that that role as well because I think if he was a supervillain this this is exactly how he would act Tom Hanks if Tom Hanks was a supervillain he, he would, would be, be Hank like Scorpio. the nicest supervillain ever you know and, when, and even when Homer you know has to like go I just, and I just want to take care of you and you know demolish I France to, I have to blow up France but but I want to take care of you you're helping me do that so anything I can do to help you out you know, like, you know, you ever see Which a guy say goodbye to a shoe? Not, you know, stereotypical of villains. Typically, you know, they they don't care about the people who work for them. They're minions, for They're lack pawns. of better word. Exactly. Expendable assets. You know, it's like you, you're a dime a dozen. I can, I can spare you as long as I'm okay. But Hank Scorpio really cares. He doesn't have the typical, like, everyone has to wear the uniform jumpsuit. And, you know, beret or, or hard hat or whatever. And even when he's being shot at and his his own life is in peril and his own dream, everything that he's been working for is in peril. Crashing he doesn't down lo- lose his heart. Yeah, he still, like, takes the time. He's like, Hank, I need to talk to you. It's like, oh, geez, Homer, could have wait a second. You know, I'm kind of busy, like... As he's sitting there with the flamethrower trying to... Well, he doesn't have the flamethrower yet. He's hitting all the way. He hits the button to drop the boiling water I just want to get to the part where the flamethrower... Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. And he... uh, Because 
you know, he tells he tells Homer that he's having a little bit of trouble with the government, and Homer's like, he's like, well, what's you know, what's the problem? And he's like, well, you know, it's, you know, my family, they're not happy. They want to go back. And he's like, so let them go. You'll stay here with me. We'll go bowling. And he's like, what's what's bothering them? And he's like, well, it's nothing big. It's just lots of little things. And Hank's just like, you hey, can't argue with the little things. It's the little things that make up life. And he throws a grenade and <laughs> blows up a bunch of stuff. And he goes, Homer, I'm disappointed, but you have to do what's best for your family. And he's like, well... Thanks for everything. He goes, if you ever, you know, if you uh, you ever need anything, you call me. He's like, well, what's the number? I don't know. I never had to call my own company. Somebody will tell you upstairs. And Homer, on your way out, if you want to kill somebody, would help me out a lot. That's when he straps on the flamethrower. That is, I have seen that tattooed. I'm getting that tattoo. so many people. I am getting a Hank Scorpio tattoo. Once this is all over, there are two so tattoos I'm getting. My question to you is, why Hank Scorpio? Because obviously, you are the one who chose to cover this character for today. And it's, it's crazy because it's just a one-off, one-episode Simpsons character. What makes this character so iconic, in your opinion? In, in my opinion, it's just the duality of who he is. Like, he's a supervillain. But he's not your typical supervillain. Like, he cares. It's very much in the vein of Magneto, where Magneto really cares about the mutants that he's trying to save. But if anybody crosses them, he doesn't have a second thought about, you know, killing them as long as it, you know, fits into his vision. However, with Hank, like, even when, like, things are literally exploding and falling apart all around him, he still... Uh, takes the time to reassure, and like, he shakes Homer's hand, and he and he talks to him and tells him, like, you know, I'm disappointed, but you know, this is what we have to do, and it's it's just a really great message, and um, he's we, funny. He's I think we funny. all want a boss like Hank Scorpio. Yeah, yeah, he's so funny. Like, he, you know, he some of the stuff he says, you know, like you ever see a guy say goodbye to a shoe, you know, you. Uh, you know, talking about the hammock district, you know. Well, and he, he has a way of being so serious and yet so lighthearted in the same conversation, sometimes even the same sentence. Right, like he gets an urgent phone call while they're trying to do a trust fall exercise. And he goes, well, count down from three, you know, three, two, oh, one second, I got to do the... And Homer just heard the one, so he fell backwards. And it's like, oh, my... He, ha- he picks up the phone, and he's like, oh, my God, that guy's on the floor. Before answering the phone, like he's got the phone to his ear, but before addressing the person on the other line, the first thing he says is, you know, oh, my God, that guy's on the floor. And then he says, "Uh, that was a phone call. Don't chalk it up to mistrust. You know, and he's like, you know, reassuring Homer before he even takes the phone call, which I think is uh, a classy move. I think Hank Scorpio is a classy guy. I would definitely work for him. And especially if he bought me a sports franchise, even if it wasn't the sports franchise that I wanted. So which so obviously in this episode, it is Homer's dream to become the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. It's kind of funny that he thinks he's going to uh, dethrone Jerry Jones as the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. But I mean, like a, a boy can dream. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's funny, but like you know, at the time, it wasn't exactly like you know these these uh, these teams were you know lighting up you know the the 
the scoreboards and lighting up the uh, you know interest of fans, you know, outside of really hardcore fans, which is funny because this aired November third, nineteen ninety six, and this was um, I'm trying to think. Um, this was right before the Broncos went on their run and won back-to-back Super Bowls. I think it was 96 and 97. Um, let me take so what look. you're saying is the Denver Broncos, they won because Homer Simpson was the owner of the team. Um, nope, it was the following year. They uh, The Packers beat the Patriots that year. I think it was the... Yeah, because this aired in 96, so the Super Bowl would have been in 1997. And, uh, yeah, the Cowboys Cowboys had just won the Super Bowl. Yes. They had beaten the Steelers. So that's sorry, So the Cowboys had, had just won, and they were at the end of their dynasty because that was the last one they won before everybody retired. Yep. And then the Packers won, and then the Broncos won the next two. So that's kind of funny. Like they they won the fall. It wasn't that season. It was the following year. So Homer turned that team around. Like, but the Denver Denver Broncos were a gift bestowed upon Homer from Hank Scorpio as a thank you. Yeah, it's not quite what he wanted, but he was able to. This is what he was able to 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 get. Right, because. Project Arcturus. Arcturus. You say it. Project Arcturus. Would not have been as successful if it wasn't for Homer. That's right. And, I mean, the last thing Homer does as he's walking out is he absentmindedly kicks what he thinks is a rock, but it's a grenade. So he kicks a grenade away from him and blows up a bunch of bad guys. Or somebody you don't actually see. But, like, that's the last thing he does. He just casually, like, oh, there's this thing, kind of kicks it. Because he's... He's sad, but he, he's going to do what's best for his right, family. But that was right after Hank Scorpio said, hey, do me a favor. and If you want to kill somebody on your way out, it would help me out a lot. Homer wasn't doing that. He was kind of like moping on his way out. Because he really liked this job. He enjoyed working for Hank Scorpio. And this just, you know, this just, you know, further cements that Homer would do anything for his family. So if you could own any sports franchise, what would you choose? If I could own any sports franchise. Any sports franchise. Well, I mean, I'm sure I could find a super awesome uh, office as the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Like, that would be pretty rad. Um, You know, the young young core. That would be a good team to own. Uh, Might be a little too warm. I mean, I'd love to own, you know, one of the local teams, the Sox or the Bruins, um, maybe not the Celtics. I mean, I would love to own the Celtics, but I think the Red Sox might be the way to go. Um, how about you? I mean, obviously the Boston Bruins. Oh, yeah. Either the Bruins or the F- Philadelphia Flyers. Interesting choice. Because of gritty. Oh, I would own gritty. Well, you could you could always just like make your own gritty and call. But them, like, like I would own gritty. gritty. Like I would own the gritty mascot. Like like a- anything. You would probably with run gritty. around through the arena. I would 
totally. with the suit like, on. I would own the Philadelphia Flyers just so I could be the mascot. So you wouldn't you wouldn't want to dress as Wally the Green Monster? Oh fuck no! Why do you have to drag Wally? Well, into I said the Red Sox. Ah, uh, well, if you own the Red Sox, obviously you could, you could I would be Wally. the mascot running around as Wally That's the true. Green Monster, shaking my junk, making I'd, everyone happy. I'd probably pay He's you like, hey, minimum wage plus tips. Oh really? Oh thanks. Yeah. Actually, you wouldn't have to pay me anything. I would do it for free. I know you would. For free, because I would be Wally. I would have a wiffle ball. Like, I'm Wally, bitches. I wouldn't want to be Tessie. You can be Tessie. She comes out occasionally. That would be a weird Remember dynamic. when we went to Star Wars night and Tessie was dressed up as Princess Leia? Leia yes. And she had the little buns and it was so cute. Yes, I remember that. But I love Wally the Green Monster. I think Wally have the, the Green Monster is my favorite sports mascot. And we're getting way then off topic. there's gritty, but obviously my I, I would I would want to own the Boston Bruins. Right. I mean, obviously, because that brings me one step closer to my ultimate goal of being Mrs. Patrice Bergeron. Well, I mean, who knows? I'd keep you on the side. Oh, all right, I you appreciate that. You can be my side piece. Well, I mean, as long as I was getting a stipend, like I'd be fine. I mean, I'd I'd, I'd give you a, an allowance. Yeah, I mean, you'd be a billionaire, so mm, give you some lunch money. Yeah. Attendance bonus. Yeah. <laughs> All the concessions I want. Free nachos. So I think with uh, with that, we'll uh, wrap this segment up and uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we will give you some uh, battle results. So stick around. Hey there, this is JB, and if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> hey, everybody. We are the Derailers, Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean, and you can join us once every week for a brand new derailment. It includes sidetracking, randomness. We just can't stay on topic. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Derailers. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Derailers! Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon. This is Emma. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. Hey guys, this is James Thomas, director of Megalodon. Hi guys, this is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. And you're listening to Patsy the Angry Nerd and Ashes Von Nightmare. You're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast.
problem, Hank. Oh, gee, Homer, could wait a sec, please? Well, it's pretty important. Say, <coughs> oh, hey, what's going on? I'm having a little trouble with the government. Oh, those jerks always walking over to small businessmen. Don't get me started about the government. What's the problem? Well, my family wants to move back to Springfield. Let them go. You'll stay here with me. We'll go bowling. What's bothering them? Nothing big. It's just a lot of little things. Well, can't argue with the little things. It's the little things that make up life. Homer, I'm disappointed, but I think you need to do what's best for your family. Well, thanks for everything, Hank. T-minus 14 seconds. Need anything? You call me. All right. What's the number? I never had to call my own company. Someone will tell you upstairs. But Homer, on your way out, if you want to kill somebody, it would help me a lot. And we're back. That, of course, was the uh, scene that we were just discussing when Homer has to kind of give his resignation. He did not give two weeks' notice, but I guess when there's, you know, kind of despicable armed uh, armed people blowing things up in the middle of your uh, doomsday lair, I guess uh, some formalities can be, uh, you know, you can kind of forget about them and, and. let them kind of let them go so uh what do you think ash what do you think i'm not really thinking about much right now i'm thinking about sleeping (laughs) i'm thinking about having more wine yeah that's kind of always what you're thinking about this is true if i'm if i'm not having wine i'm thinking about having wine i'm thinking about the wine i'm gonna be drinking I don't have a wine fact for you today, though, because we or, did or a wine week. recommendation. Well, I mean, it's my show. I can do it whenever yeah. the hell I want. Well, I'm just saying. But I haven't really alternate. been. So, you know, it's 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 interesting times right now when we're all kind of, you know, falling back on our creature comforts. And I find myself purchasing wines that I I love. So I don't really have anything new. Right now I'm drinking. It's a. It's a Burgundy from Franzia, wine from a box. It's a wine in a box. It's a wine in a box, baby. Um, yeah, so because it's easy and and cheaper that way, but definitely easier, you know, survive quarantine, wine from a box. Yeah, but uh, we have battle results this week. We do have battle results. I'm very interested to see uh, who done what. So last week, we threw down the great Mando showdown, wanting to know which Mandalorian you feel could best all of the other Mandalorians. And the location of this battle was Malachor Five. Yes. And you could choose from Jango Fett versus Boba Fett versus Din Djarin versus Pre Vizsla. And who got the so prize? So, two separate pieces of results. So, Facebook voted for Din Djarin. Hmm. However, Twitter voted for Boba Fett. I voted for Boba Fett on Twitter. I don't think I voted on Facebook. I try to vote only once. You, you like to play fair? Yeah. 
I, uh, my vote was for Din Jaren. See, so. I couldn't vote for him because of how often he needs to be rescued by somebody else as opposed to Boba Fett, who uh, does Boba everything Fett himself. Boba ended up in a Sarlacc pit. And he got out. And he got out. Allegedly. Yeah, no one's ever well, done that. We don't know if he had help getting out. Well, according to... I feel like we're going to find out. Oh, yeah. I mean, according to the Mandalorian armor book that came out many, many years ago, uh, he he killed the Sarlacc in the pit of Carcoon. He killed the Sarlacc and managed to get out. But he was, you know, as Billy Crystal would say, mostly dead. Mostly dead. And he was able to uh, get out. And he was nursed back to health by Dengar and ended up being best man at Dengar's wedding as a result. So, yeah. Bam. We have a Dengar uh, Hot Wheels car. Because, you know. I know what a Gengar is. I don't know what that is. It used to have a, it's a Pokemon. Oh, I don't. Gengar. He's like a little spiky dude. I don't, I don't know Pokemon. My sister used to have like a little stress ball squishy Gengar. It didn't do anything but squish, but it was super cute. All I know is that a Pokemon is a Jamaican proctologist. (laughs) Mm. Um, So no shark bites this week, although next week we're going to have a very special episode for you. Yeah, this episode's going to be really fun. Surviving quarantine. Yep, with uh, several several, uh, fabulous guests. A lot of girl power in this episode. Yes, something that uh, I have found... Uh, very lacking on shark bites, and so I kind of needed a week to, you know, sort of reset and reassess priorities and get some things uh, straight. And now they're all set, they're all good, and uh, we've got a couple of good episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, we have our, our, it's more in the theme of you know, normalcy during quarantine, and then uh, the following week we're going to have some uh, recommendations for. Some light-hearted films that you should check out. Uh, and I have a couple of really good guests lined up for that. Hoping to get another one, but even if I don't, I've got some really good guests lined up for this one. So, uh, very excited. As for us, well, you're just going to have to wait till next week and find out. Ooh, the suspense is killing me. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Is it killing you guys? <gasps> We are still open to <laughs> suggestions as well. So if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns. I have some thoughts and questions and comments and you know, concerns. Tell them to Cypress Hill. <laughs> and with that being said, we, we will, will see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday. Telegram. Project Arcturus couldn't have succeeded without you. This will get you a little closer to that dream of yours. It's not the Dallas Cowboys, but it's a start. Drop me a line if you're on the East Coast. Hank Scorpio. Aw, the Denver Broncos! I think owning the Denver Broncos is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, explain to me why it isn't. (sighs) You just don't understand football, Marge. With his dreams of power and wealth, beware of Scorpio. His twisted twin obsessions are his plot to rule the world and his employees' health. 
He welcome you into his lair Like the nobleman welcomes his guest With free dental care and a stock plan that helps you invest But beware of his generous pensions Plus three weeks paid vacation each year And on Fridays the lunchroom serves hot dogs and burgers and beer He loves German 